Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 142. Back into the restaurant and ate his burgers and fries and drank his coffee. He went back to the counter. You want frozen custard? asked the keen young man. No, no thanks. Is there anywhere around here I could rent a car? My car died back down the road away. The young man scratched his head stubble. Not around here, mister. If your car died, you could call AAA, or talk to the gas station next door about a tow. A fine idea, said Shadow. Thanks. He walked across the melting snow from the Culver's parking lot to the gas station. He bought candy bars and beef jerky sticks and more chemical hand and feet warmers. Anywhere hereabouts I could rent a car, he asked the woman behind the cash register. She was immensely plump and bespectacled, and was delighted to have someone to talk to. Let me think, she said. We're kind of out of the way here. They do that kind of thing over in Madison. Where are you going? Cairo, he said, wherever that is. I know where that is, she said. Hand me that map from that rack over there. Shadow passed her a plastic-coated map of Illinois. She unfolded it, then pointed in triumph at the bottom-most corner of the state. There it is. Cairo? That's how they pronounce the one in Egypt. The one in Little Egypt, they call that one Cairo. They got a Thebes down there, all sorts. My sister-in-law comes from Thebes. I asked her about the one in Egypt. She looked at me as if I had a screw loose. The woman chuckled like a drain. Any pyramids? The city was 500 miles away, almost directly south. Not that they ever told me. They call it Little Egypt because back, oh, maybe 100, 150 years back, there was a famine all over. Crops failed, but they didn't fail down there. So everyone went there to buy food. Like in the Bible, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Off we go to Egypt. Bada boom. That's our page. Before we dig into the page proper... Um, the episode's going to discuss a lynching, and thus we'll have moments that could possibly be disturbing to some listeners, so if you feel like that would not be good for your psyche, I understand. On the page, Shadow turns down a frozen custard because he's more interested in getting back out on the road, and that's kind of his goal. He doesn't really want to enjoy what Culver is best known for, but I guess it's true what they say, sometimes a man just doesn't want a mouthful of Scoopy. The young man suggests AAA, or the American Automobile Association. AAA was founded in Chicago in 1902 as a conglomeration of nine different motor clubs from different parts of the United States. From there, AAA joined with the American Motor League in 1904 and started printing maps in 1905. After that, they then began to provide driving and safety lessons because, well, cars got faster and more dangerous. This also included pedestrian safety, but more general traffic safety as well. It also supported the U.S. government throughout World War II, giving advice to citizens back home on how to conserve gasoline and other supposed wartime necessities. Shadow then goes to the gas station to ask if there's any place around where he could rent a car, and, well, that's apparently more of a Shelbyville idea, or a Madison, Wisconsin idea, as it were. As someone who lives in a rural community, though, the closest option for a rental car is more than an hour away in either Redding, California, or Medford, Oregon. Take your pick, but there's nothing here in the community, at least not not in the way you would think. I, I'm sure there's someone who would let me borrow their car for a price and a pound of flesh, but there's no Hertz or other similar sort of place. The woman at the gas station tells him that there's nothing, but she does explain to him where Cairo is, though when Shadow sees the map, it's spelled Cairo, as it is in Egypt. It's about, well, 500 miles away in the most southern corner of Illinois. The woman mentions that a famine blew through the area. The crops didn't fail in Cairo like they did in other parts of the state, mainly due to the confluence of the Ohio and Mississippi rivers, giving it a uniquely fertile position in the state. 
The town is also known for having an uncomfortable racial history, which, I mean, you could say that about just about anywhere in the country, couldn't you? In November 1909, a man named William James was lynched over the murder of a white woman named Anna Pelly. The murder occurred on November 8th, and the townspeople thought that the courts weren't moving fast enough, and on November 10th, mob seized James and hanged him from a steel arch in the center of town, though the rope broke and James was then shot more than 500 times, per the Alexandria Gazette from November 12, 1909, provided to me by the blog Strange Fruit and Spanish Moss.blogspot.com. After killing him, the mob brought his body to the place where Anna Pelly was murdered, and James was then, well, and James's body was then decapitated, and his head was put on a pike, and his body was then burned by the mob. No evidence, of course, was ever provided that linked James to the murder of Anna Pelly. When the mob couldn't find James's supposed accomplice, Arthur Alexander, they then broke into the courthouse and took a white man named Henry Salzner, who had been held for the murder of his wife since the previous August. Salzner was taken from the prison, his throat was cut, and he was hanged from a telephone pole in a similar manner. The next day, Governor of Illinois Charles Denon was uh, decided to send... Eleven companies of the Illinois militia to help suppress the violent mob, which had grown to more than 10,000 people, though per some of the reports I found it's hard to tell how many of them were supposedly there just to witness what was going on versus actually being part of the violence, but I don't know, and I consider all of them assholes almost equally anyway. The sheriff of Cairo was actually dismissed, and the state began enforcing its own anti-lynching laws, which had been passed a couple years before in 1905. In 1901, there were 130 lynchings in Illinois, but by the time they started actually enforcing them, there were very, very few at all, if any. The woman at the gas station makes mention of a famine similar to the biblical famine from the book of Genesis, but she makes a further reference to Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical first performed in 1968. In the clip here, Donny Osmond, yes, that Donny Osmond, sings about seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine that I imagine the woman is referring to. With food at all time low, noble king, there is no doubt what your dreams are all about. All these things you saw in your pajamas are a long-range forecast for your farmers, and I'm sure it's crossed your mind. What it is you have to find Find a man to lead you through the famine With a flair for economic planning But who this man... The famine in real life in Little Egypt began in the winter of 1831, which was exceptionally snowy and exceptionally early. The first frost came in mid-September and killed off a number of crops, including corn, and thus there was no corn at all to plant come summer 1832. Corn, however, was found in Cairo for prices much lower than any other place the people knew of. In an attempt to keep this secret, people would supposedly say that they were going to Egypt for corn. The prices in Cairo... Nope. Cairo. I'm going to get that wrong a lot. The prices in Cairo were somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% what they were for other places when they were shipping it upriver from, I think it was Mississippi and Missouri. I didn't make a specific note. Despite the use of papyrus in their header logo, I will give a tip of the hat to thespringhousemagazine.com for the reprint of an article from November 23rd, 1871 edition of the Golconda Weekly for this information. The bottom of the page, the woman says, bada boom, which is not how I've usually seen it spelled, but I won't doubt Neil or his editor, who bothly, uh, 
who both doubtless know more than I do about the spelling of just about everything. Merriam-Webster spells it how it is on the page, B-A-D-A-Boom, and supposedly the term only goes back to 1991. And I'm going to not argue with the dictionary in this case. They are ruthless. Oh no, wait, page 762. Ruth, either compassion for the misery of another or sorrow of one's own fault. Hmm, what do you know? Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash worldbeyondpodcast. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>